Father God, I pray that you would give us all ears to hear, Lord, what you would say to us tonight. And if we're that lukewarm church like Laodicea, Lord, we repent. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, Len and I are coming up on 21 years of living in Wright City. Um, Praise the Lord. Uh, I think I've told you guys we moved out here to get away from people because we didn't like them. It's funny how that worked out, isn't it? Now we're surrounded by people all the time, and we love it. No place we'd rather be. But I remember when we finally uh, decided, hey, we're going to move. We're getting out of Dodge. We're going to move from St. Peter's to Wright City. I remember making the drive, and I was always so excited to see the Elvis Cafe there. Little did I know that we'd be having church there. That was something to come in the future. I remember seeing the, the newer strip mall, of course, where we would eventually be, walking into the video to rent videos where we'd end up having church. I didn't know all that was coming, but it was all so exciting at first. And I always wondered, how in the world do so many people crash on that section of highway between Winsville and, and like, Wright City? I mean, it's a straight stretch road. What, what, what's the problem? Initially, <laughs> right? Uh, initially, uh, when, when I was driving down the road, I, I was always awake because I was always seeing new things. Oh, that's going in. Oh, the Elvis Cafe. Oh, the Elvis is down. The Elvis is back up. Now the Elvis is carrying a cross. He got painted. All this stuff was going on. And I was constantly, uh, I was awake. It was easy not to fall asleep. When I started getting more used to the drive, I wasn't quite so excited to, to live in the right city anymore. It was something I'd come accustomed to. I began to find myself falling asleep. It wasn't new anymore to me. It wasn't exciting anymore to me. I forgot where I came from, and I took where I was living currently kind of for granted. You know where I'm going? This church we're talking about tonight is a very naughty church. It didn't have anything that Jesus said good about it, nothing. I think it's funny, too, that Barry got both good churches, Not sure what that means. Whatever it is, I see another conspiracy brewing. Uh, I'll have my crack team work on it. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. We're going to read this and walk through it. I'm going to read it all and just kind of back work backwards from there. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that you have been purified. The gold has been purified purified by water. By fire, I mean. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments for me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. And an ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. 
and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Laodicea was one of those places, kind of like, I guess it would be like Beverly Hills. They had so much money, they were in need for nothing. They had it going on, money stacked to the, the ceilings. Uh, they, they, they really, you meet people like that, don't have any needs for anything. We know customers like that, that have so much money, they don't need God in their life because they can just write a check. That's these guys. That's what's going on here. In fact, in 60 AD, massive earthquake. I think Barry tell, talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, when Rome came and said, let us assist you in rebuilding, they said, we don't want your money. We don't need anything from you. We can do it ourselves. And a lot of the buildings, as they uncover them today, actually says, and I'm just vernacular, we did this by our own might. We did this. Sounds a little like self-pride. Laodicea was... Uh, on the trade route, they spoke often. You can read a little bit about Laodicea in the book of Colossians. They're talking about each other. Um, it was a place that didn't need God. Kind of like, in a lot, a lot of ways, the church in America. I remember when I was in Uganda, you know, and the tithe basket was coming around. And I remember going, oh, this is great. What are they going to tithe with? They don't have any money. But this little boy, probably eight or nine years old, gets all excited and runs out into the field. He was gone for about ten minutes. Comes back with an ear of corn and puts it in the offering plate. And he was so excited to give from what he could. And I believe God looked at that and went, wow. And I know there are people in America that can write a check. I heard this story, and I think it speaks to it. And I won't say who it was. You guys hear about the guy that almost died on the football field? Everybody's heard about it by now. Tragic. He didn't die. I, 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 I'd be shocked to know he wasn't a Christian. It seemed like he was a Christian. Am I right? Does anybody know? It seemed like he would be a believer. Then I heard some big shots, cut some checks. Praise God. Uh, one of them makes about $25 million a year. He gave a whole check for five or ten grand. Isn't that amazing? Would it surprise you to know that a person making 500 bucks throws 50 in the plate. God's looking at that when they gave more. It's a widow's might. Everybody's getting all crazy about, oh, he's such a good man. He's such a great man, this person, for giving five grand or 10 grand. And he really gave nothing. Nothing. So that was kind of this church. They were self-sufficient. They're doing their own thing. And they're about to be rebuked. This is a message from the one who is the amen. You know what amen means? So be it. Let it be that way. Let it be done. It's done. It's kind of funny. Seven churches, seven, seven trumpets, seven seals. It's complete. This is a complete story. This is the end of the story, the end of the line. Jesus is the beginning of God's new creation. It is done. So everything that he is saying from this point and back, it's okay. It's going to happen. It's done. You can count on it. It's complete. It's going to happen. It's faithful. It's true. You can count on it. You can trust it. Just like our administration. I know all the things that you do. You're neither hot nor cold. You know, the cool thing about being cold is you can get warm. The cool thing about hot is you're hot. 
When you're lukewarm, it's just nothing. And this particular city, they had this big, almost like pool. Uh, it's this really cool Bible. It's an archaeological Bible. There's a big pool in the center of town. The, the cold water would come in, the hot water, and it would just almost putrefy. And they used it to um, some big medical term where you drink it and it causes you to throw up. Right? You ever drink warm or, or cool coffee? Not cold coffee. Ice, co- ice coffee is a good thing. Hot coffee is a good thing. You don't go somewhere and buy, hey, I'd like a cup of your best warm coffee or lukewarm coffee. It would be one or the other, right? You can't do, <laughs> it's bad. Half the churches in America, maybe more, are lukewarm. You come in, you, you get your hour a weekend, your two hours a week or whatever you do, and then you leave there thinking you're okay. The bad thing is you don't even know that you're not even saved. You come in to get your little bit of God, maybe you send a prayer request out, but I think a good test, are you interested in foreign missions? Have you evangelized? Have you tithed? Have you given any charities? And you can go on down the list to check yourself to see, am I lukewarm? And by, by the way, God doesn't need your money. He's got plenty. He's got plenty. He needs your heart. He wants your heart. So oftentimes your wallet or your wallet follows your heart. Is that how they say it? Is that what it is? Heart follows the wallet. I knew it was something. See what I'm saying? He doesn't need your money. We don't need your money. But we want you on fire for God, and when you're on fire for God, you want to give to foreign missions. You want to give to the church. You want to be at places. You want to come to group. You want to share your faith. You want to. You can't help but do it. It's not just my job or Barry's job or Pete's job or Martin's job. It's your job. You said, who said, your co- we're, we're ministers. Richard, you said it. Believe it. We believe in the priesthood of the brothers. It's your job to share Jesus with people. Your way. I have a different way of doing it. It's kind of weird. But I perfected it because that's how he made me. I think the best ministry, in my opinion, happens outside the walls of this place. We come here. This is like the huddle. We get all fired up. We're following our, our owner. We're kind of the coaches. Not great ones. We're just coaches. Don't say amen. So this week, it's been a weird week because we've been so, I hate being, saying that word. It's just overplay. I'm just so busy. Just so, so busy. But we've been so busy. Never thought I'd be that guy. We're so, we're so busy. And I've been driving, guys. And I was like, how symbolic that while Barry won employee of the month, I'm now driving him around. After him driving me around for 33 years, I just, it's just weird. We're on these jobs, and they've been a blessing, a real blessing. And we love sharing Jesus with the people that we meet because the people that we meet need Jesus. And maybe there's a brother that's been lukewarm and does not know about it because he's comfortable. Happens all the time. We meet a guy, and this is just one of several this week that we met, but this is a great highlight. And remember, in and of myself, I don't care. This is the God in me. We're going to get into when God takes and opens your eyes up, you see how wretched you really are. You can't believe that he saved you, and it compels you to share Jesus because you recognize who you are. See what I'm saying? So, see this fella? And we can fix holes. Let me tell you something. We have perfected the holes, baby. We got it down. Seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God's blessed our hands, baby. He has blessed us. 
He really has. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened so fast. But see, the whole is not the point. And oftentimes, most times, I get to share with the people, you think that we're here because of this hole in your life. We're actually here because of a hole in your heart. That's why we're here. We are here for, for that reason. Now, we're going to take care of this. This, to me, is a pop lie, and I literally think I could do it blindfolded. I might try it here. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, I'm bragging on my Jesus. If I'm going to brag on anybody, I'm a bragger. I'm a brag on Jesus. So we meet this fella, and he was like this at first. I ain't him. I could just tell. I was like, so we kind of, kind of, hmm, okay, and that didn't work. Uh, this is a tackle box. <sighs> Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. It's not all bait for all the same people. Paul said, I become all things in order that one man might be saved. So I'm talking to this fella. And he's more concerned about the whole. I'm more concerned about him not knowing Jesus. Does he know Jesus? Is he a brother? Is he her brother? Has he been shelved for a while? Is he lukewarm? Is he hot? Is he cold? It's our job to figure it out. I'll fix the whole. I'll get to the whole. And the funny thing, God will give you an audience in them if you just give him a chance. So we're talking. Talking, and we're doing this and fixing holes. And, and I don't know how it happened. I said, hey, man, uh, what do you do in your spare time? And where, do, where were we? What was that town? Some little town in Illinois. Can anything good come? <laughs> anyway, we're talking, and uh, he said, oh, well, I, I like to fish. And you see, I asked him, I asked him, are, are, are you a Christian? Nope. He goes, I don't believe Christians need to go to church to be Christians. Well, you're right there. They really don't, because in the New Testament, we're the temple. However, I couldn't do it without you guys. So I was like, okay, well, do you love Jesus? How oh, I love Jesus. You see, I could tell he was starting to, starting to say some stuff, maybe that he remembered from his past when he was off the bench, when he was actually in the game, when he wasn't uh, shelved or whatever, hurt, bitterness, and maybe the preacher didn't, whatever. Who knows why people leave fellowship? There's a plethora, first picture of reasons people leave fellowship. Too far, too early, too cold, too hot, air's too warm, church too Well, I started noticing the more that I talked, he would say things like, blessed. Hmm. And then he said this, and I go, so what do you do in your spare time in Botswana, Illinois, wherever it was? He said, I like to fish. He said, but I suppose I should be a better fisher of men. Now, I, you know, I, 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 I'm not the dumbest guy. I'm not the smartest. But when you say fishes of men using that vernacular, tells me, you know, you know Jesus. Jesus called us to be fishers of men. I said, that's interesting because I, I love me some fishing. Walmart's my favorite. <laughs> you know, but you got to go where the fish are biting, you see. And I said, man, you know, it's like this here. God made me funny. <laughs> I, I don't know, guys. And I'm not being funny. I'm, I'm not being weird. I'm not being, what's another word? <laughs> yeah, what's the word? What's for lunch? Thank you, Alpha. Illinois chiming in over there. Praise God. I'm not being facetious. He made me funny. For years, I struggled with the fact that I'm funny, and it, I didn't know if it brought God glory when I tried to be funny. But I used humor as a way that's how I fish. 
I said, you know, to this guy, he wasn't that funny, but he was really cool, well-read. He was just a cool guy. And I said, man, the way that I fish is different than how you would fish, bro. You need to find what works for you and how God made you to be in your little tackle box, in your little fishing hole, and figure it out. You have to be, and you told me that you want to be fishers of men. You recognize that you need to be. So when we need leave here, it's on you, man. It's not on me anymore. It's on you. So here's the thing. We prayed with him, of course. He texted us later. He said, wait, watch this. I really appreciated the fellowship we had. Oh, okay, there's a word we throw around, uh, fellowship, fishers of men. He was a Christian that was in neutral. When you're in neutral, you're in reverse. There is no neutral in Christianity. You're either in, you're out, you're moving forward or sliding backward. There's no other way, right? So it's incumbent on us. The ministers, when you see a brother, whew, blow some smoke. <laughs> I've had plenty of smoke blowing up me. How about some good stuff? Tell them how much they're loved, how much they're missed. They're needed in the body. When one part of the body is hurting, they're all hurting. And I will go on to say when one part of the body is absent, there's an absence. And there's a season you can't come to church. I, I understand that. I'm not talking but about that. But we don't want to get spit out of the mouth, do we? He plain to said, I wish you were one or the other. But since you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I remember, and I think Barry's alluded to this, the lukewarm brothers, Barry and Randy, for a long time. We wouldn't, and the worst part about that, don't get too fired up, dude. It really freaked me out. And then I get fired up, hey, hey, don't get too fired up. We were like, you're right, dude, let's just stay lukewarm. All the way to hell. Why not? Okay? But I remember getting that little thing back. You see, you're getting ready to get him back, too, I might add. Your little uh, church donation things. And some of you will see that and go, wow, man, wow. Let's see, I'm just doing the math here. Wow. Anyway, I got it back. I looked at my attendance. 52 weeks a year. Guess how many offerings I gave? 26. Think about that number. Exactly half, which is Luke my mind, I'm kicking butt. I'm here every time the door opens. And I saw this. this says apparently their accounting is wrong. I'm here all the time. No, you're not. I wasn't. I was here half the time. To me, that just spelled you're lukewarm. But it took years for God to get me up and out of that, right? So you say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy gold for me, gold that has been purified by fire. So these guys were well known for black dye, black, uh, black uh, linens and things like this. A uh, big deal. And they're also well known for eye salve. They were the number one exporter of getting eye salves to treat your eyes for various eye ailments and all of this stuff. So Jesus is putting his finger right when they think they have it all together. You don't even realize you're naked. You see, when you're not clothed with Christ, he sees right through into your heart. He knows everything you're thinking, everything you're doing. But when you're clothed with Christ, guess what he sees? Jesus. Thank God. Right? 
And I think that's one of the cool things, and, and eyes. I think it's cool when, when you're hot for Jesus and you're seeing clearly, you have a better look at yourself and you realize how much you really do need Jesus and what a wretch you really are. I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years. You think I should be further along, but God has opened my eyes to see me. I'm really, I was like, how can a person say that's in love with Jesus think those things? Act like that. React like that. How can that be possible? But see, what grace does compels you to love him even more, to appreciate him even more, to stay awake even more, to recognize when you're in neutral. Anybody in neutral in here? I pray in Jesus' name that if you are, he would be the one to show you. Blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. I pray God would open your eyes and you would see that if you're in neutral or lukewarm, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. I didn't say it. He said it. And if you are, there's grace that covers that. His grace, where would we be without grace? Where would we be about his occasional pow, 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 pow? By the way, I have a woodshed now, a real one. I was out there the other day. It's kind of getting ahead in the sermon, but it's okay. I might revisit later because I love the story. I said, you know what? When the grandkids come over and they're being naughty, I have a real woodshed. A real one. And they will take a trip behind there. And then I went back there with Len the other day, too. It's completely the same. Not really. Blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold for me. Gold has been purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. You know what having uh, being rich is? Having faith? You know what's purer than, more valuable than gold? What's more valuable than gold? Faith. Relationship with Jesus, right? And whose faith has been tested a little bit? Can I brag on my brother Richard for a minute? I'm going to use you. Because when I met this guy four years ago, five years ago, uh, I feel like I've known him longer now. I, 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 just to watch you go through the, the fiery furnace of affliction, and to see your faith being purified, dude. It's a witness, man, is what it is. It's a, it's a witness. That's what he's talking about. Because to see you going going through it, continue to go through it with Jesus by your side, that's gold. That's more value. You purchased that from Jesus. Could anybody else have done, anything else have done, what Jesus did with what you've gone through? Come to Jesus and... and and purchase it from him. In fact, you don't have to purchase it. It's free. He did it. He did it all for you. And just to see how you're, and there are others in here, I will say too. I, I could go through a lot of people that have been through a lot of things and watch them being refined. And, and, and I think our tendency sometimes as Christians, you want to get in and help. You want to get in and ease the, you know, turn the flames down. I say, you know what? Glow, Jesus, glow. My, our God's a consuming fire. He's going to consume, right? 
But when you come out the other end of it, your faith will be purer than gold and worth more too, right? And it's tough. It stinks. We don't like it sometimes when our friends are going through this stuff. I, but you just let God have his way because you know that that person is trusting you. Jesus, if, if they don't, if they've been cold, guess what? They're about to get turned up. Isn't that great? You couldn't do that if you were just lukewarm. The whole thing would crash and implode on you. So, Come to Jesus and buy white garments for me so you'll not be ashamed by your nakedness. I was talking to somebody years ago and imagined that we were standing before Jesus, which we will be, and he's looking right through you, and all of our excuses are over, all of our things about, you know, I was too tired, I was too, uh, I couldn't come to church, or, or whatever we do. He's going to look right through it, right to you, and, and, and you're going to get to the, the, the bottom of it. Because you can fool me, I can fool my wife, she can fool me, Barry, John, we can fool each other, right? But one day you'll stand before Jesus completely undone. And you'll give an account for every word that you said. I don't know how that's going to work because we're covered by the blood of Christ, we're clothed in Christ, but we're still going to have to make account for what we did with him. What did you do with my son? So I'm going to show you, uh, show that first, um, the picture in, in Uganda. Let me say this. Look at the people. The, the church isn't even open yet. They're just telling people that the church is going to be open. He's having these outdoor revivals. His name is Nifuna Johnson. He's an amazing guy. And he's having these things. And, and there are more pictures than this, but I, for time's sake, I just couldn't get in. And they're coming from everywhere to hear the gospel of Jesus. Here we can't get people. We, have, we do fog machines. We do outreaches, free pizzas, crockpots. You're begging people to come and listen to the words of Jesus because he has the cure for your blindness, your wretchedness, your pitiful. He has the cure. We can't get people to come. It's too far. It's too early. It's too late. I got other stuff. I got baseball. I got hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolets. Got all these reasons we don't come. And over here they're saying just build a church and we'll come because we want to hear the words of Jesus. What's wrong with our churches here? Look at these guys. Is that amazing? They're passing out Bibles. Like I said, I could go on. Go to the next one. This is India. This is our second chapter over there, and they're doing the same thing. And I remember going to India, and I remember literally uh, praying with these people till 2.30 in the morning. I remember sitting on this stage watching the people, and I was with a friend of mine. He goes, Steve, what time will you cut off? I go, we don't cut off until the last person comes. That's when we cut off. We don't cut off and leave because we are too tired. Because I believe, like Jesus said, I have food that you don't know anything about. And I, I'd like to see that happen here. That needs to happen here. And I remember watching people come. I was like, where are they coming from? And they were walking from like five villages away. They were on the road walking for like two hours to get here. We can't. And, and if this is you... Or me, I've been there. Shame on me for having been there. Shame on you for maybe you still are. Get out of it. Lukewarm ain't cutting it. It is not cutting it anymore. Because you're looking at a world looking at you going, well, what are they doing? There's nothing going on. There's nothing happening. Uh, but go to that other one. So this is the newest. So here's the building. Isn't that nice? He built that from the ground up. This guy works day and night on this thing. The craftsmanship on this is amazing. 
And he's so, uh, he's like a Ugandan Alfred. You know what I'm saying? He's just one of those, <laughs> right. He's got a better tan than you, that's for sure. But he's just an amazing young man, right? And he wants everything to be right on. He goes, just, we're not going to open this up until it's perfect for the Lord, right? So uh, Lynn and I are going in May, early part of May, and we, we hope to be taking another trip to visit church uh, as we, we're going to blaze a trail and then set them up so for future trips for people to go and to visit and see what happens. This is one of the, the other uh, chapter in Uganda. This is, I would say, the more affluent-looking church. The other one's because we're the church. We're the church. This is an assembly center. This is a place where they get together. But my point at this is, how are we missing the hunger for God, the things of God like these people are, that don't even know him yet? And here we are, people, in this church, in this community that have known him for years, you've seen his goodness. How are we slumbering and sleeping through this thing when he could come back at any time? And he plainly says, if I come back and you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's scary, guys. And I, I think we should probably take that black and white. That's what, or I'm sorry, red and white. That's what he said, so. Hmm. 19, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Three things he says right here that, that gives us kind of a roadmap. I love when Jesus kind of gives you a way out. He recognizes you're in a situation, but then he also says, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to give you a way out. Isn't that great? Remember earlier in the church, he said, repent and do the things you did at first. Remember that church? Just do what you did at the first time when you first came to me. Do what you used to do. But here he says this, of course, buy gold for me. Faith come by hearing and hearing the word of God. If you guys aren't reading the scriptures every day, let me say this. Perhaps your faith is like mine. You got your iPhone in there. Oh, I don't have an iPhone. I believe in Android. I believe they're Jesus' favorite. Okay. So I noticed. I got in a bad habit on my uh, time with Jesus is time with Jesus. It's not, it's his time. It shouldn't be anything else except for Lent. I'm in the study probably the last 90 days. Uh, and I'm reading a little word and then, oh, wow, I wonder what Ivan Barbashev sounds like a baby. Three goals for me. You know, and I was like, what is happening to me? And I know I'm not the only one. You guys are going, yeah, this is so. It might be, wow, I wonder what the latest coal sale is. Think I get 10 bucks in my Kohl's cash or whatever it might be. So what I purpose to do at the beginning of the year, and I don't believe in resolutions either because I never keep them. I just said, and Barry said a couple of weeks ago, a closer walk. And I think I really would like that to be our church's motto for 2023. What do we desire but a closer walk with you? How do we do it? I mean, if we're lukewarm, Jesus said, come to me, buy gold for me. So what I purpose to do, maybe this will speak to you, I took my phone and it does not go on until I'm walking out the door. I'm not doing it. I'm not Facebooking. I'm not Snapchatting. I don't like Snapchat anyway. I just do it for the kids because it's in those cool little videos. you got to see it there. You know. I left it in there, so don't bother texting me. Sunday is family day. Don't be messing with me on Sunday. I'm talking to everybody in here. Don't call. Don't text. Don't write. Don't do it. Don't drop in. 
Sunday's family day for the Abbots. I spend time with Lynn. I spend time with my family. Don't bug me. Unless something's burnt up, you need prayers, don't bug me. It's my Sabbath. There I said it. Yes, high five. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I'm, I'm being funny, but you guys see what I'm saying? The, the time with the Lord should be a sacred time, and, and, I, and I'm already seeing results. I'm already finally feeling like a little more giddy up in the old. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, because you can slip into lukewarmness, and you don't even really know it. Or complacency. You don't know it. You're kind of going through the motions, and I'm thinking, man, I've been doing this a long time. I should always be on fire. You're the pastor. Right? If the gold rusts, what will the iron do? Right? Think about that. Smart people tell the other ones, I guess. In other words, leadership, we don't have the luxury of being lukewarm or complacent. We have to encourage one another as the day draws nearer. We have to. Surround yourself with people that will fan the flame. Right? Don't be me and Barry. Calm down, dude. Okay, you too. Okay. It's got, oh, my God, we went on 10 years like that, calming each other down. How about fire each other up? Let's get somebody like that. Get somebody in your camp that will fire you up. Giovanna, we're definitely going to have some conflicts. I think I have some strange years. They just don't seem to work with this thing. Anybody ever been disciplined by the Lord? <laughs> A church like this is either full of liars or full of people that have been disciplined. Okay, yeah. It hurts, doesn't it? But it's good. Because he's pruning. This church has gone through several prunings over the years. And it, it's good. It's healthy. Right? Because new fruit comes from pruning. This is a great season, right? If 11 years ago we landed in Wright City for the first time, first service, and now they're, uh, Wisconsin's thriving. You guys know this. Two churches in Uganda, two in India. And, and you can't say, the cool thing is, we're not doing it. God's doing it through us. You understand that, right? We can't even want a two-man painting company. It took us 35 years to figure out. We've only had one black year. So it has to be God doing this. There's no possible way it could be happening, right? So when he comes and pow, 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 pow. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I needed it. If you're not getting spanked and you're doing naughty things, you got to really wonder if you're doing something serious. Right? I mean. So be diligent. Oh, man. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Anybody ever kind of indifferent? Only other people have my quiet time with Lynn and Jesus. Sometimes um, I have to tell Lynn I'm talking to Jesus, so don't bug me right now. That really doesn't go that well, so I wouldn't really encourage that. Talking this morning, and she said, oh my God, I've got a pearl for you. And I was like, well, that's great, but I'm kind of trying to find pearls myself. Um, what is it? Watch this. And I was like, I read it, and I was like, are you kidding me? Anybody ever seen our campus? It's amazing, isn't it? You know why I love that camper? 
because it's a picture of, first of all, our restoration with Jesus, and it's a picture of our restoration, me and Lynn. You know, marriages go through struggles, and sometimes you something comes into you that, that almost crashes it. But if you, if, if, if you allow the Lord to put salve on it, it makes something beautiful. So this old camper we found, it's, it's called Zeke. You know why? Because when we got it, it had dry bones, all dry rotted, all torn up. Yeah, that's right. And, 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 and we restored it. It was destined for the scrap heap. Destined, like us, to go to the scrap heap until somebody came and saw, wow, that could be really amazing with just a little bit of love. A little bit of work. It could be amazing. That's why we call it Zeke. So, turn to your Bibles real quick. Ezekiel 16. And I'm reading, or Lynn brought this to me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need this. If somebody can get me a paper towel, or somebody, no, I never mind, never mind. I have an old torn up, misprinted, misfit shirt here. Thanks, Christina. They make great tissues. They're terrible at making t-shirts because it came out really weird looking. But man, they make great paint rags and tissues. So thank you. And Christina worked them over and said, we're not paying for it. So now we have 4,000 pounds of the rags. If anybody needs them, let me know. This is Ezekiel, and this is what Lynn shared with me. And I said, oh my gosh, that totally pertains to what we're talking about. Sometimes we just forget because we forget how far he's taken us. You forget who you were. And I think that's why God allows you to crash and burn. You get a little bit of snapshot of who you were before I came along and rescued you. And I welcome. No, I don't want to say that. I understand failure. I understand why God allows things to happen because sometimes we need it. Sometimes you start believing the press. And when you start believing the press that we did this and we don't need anybody's help, God allows things to come into your life to show you that you do need my help because you're pitiful. Uh, 16, I'm just going to pick it up one. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to skip the middle and then go to the end, okay? It's a long chapter, but I encourage you guys in your quiet time to read this. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable sins. Give her this message from the sovereign Lord. You are nothing but a Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. On the day you were born, no one cared about you. Your umbilical cord was not cut and you were never washed, rubbed with salt and wrapped in cloth. No one had the slightest interest in you. No one pitied you. No one cared for you. On the day you were born, you were unwanted, dumped in the field, and left to die. How many people in this church feel like that, have felt like that at one time? But I came by and saw you there helplessly kicking about in your own blood. As you lay there, I said, live. And I helped you to thrive like a plant in the field. You grew up and became a beautiful jewel. Your breast became full and your body hair grew, but you were still naked. And when I passed again, I saw you were old enough to love for love, so I wrapped my cloak around you to cover your nakedness. 
and declared my marriage vows. He's talking about Israel, but it's applicable for us. I made a covenant with you, says the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Then I bathed you, I washed your I washed off your blood, I rubbed fragrant oils into your skin, I gave you expensive clothing of fine linen and silk, beautifully embroidered in sandals made of fine goatskin leather. If I gave you lovely jewelry, bl- bracelets, beautiful necklaces, a ring for your nose, earrings for your ears, a lovely crown for your head, and so you were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothes were made of fine linen, and you were bru- beautifully embroidered. You ate the finest foods, choice flour, honey, olive oil. You became more beautiful than ever. You looked like a queen, and so you were. Your fame soon spread throughout the world because of your beauty. I dressed you in my splendor and perfected your beauty, says the Southern Lord. How about that? That's us sometimes. Let me pause on that. That's us. Jesus comes by May 1st, 1993, meets me and Lynn in our funky mess. I was a little bit funkier than you, but we were pretty funky, right? We gave our hearts to the Lord on May 1st, 1993, and we've forgotten that love a few times along the way. But he's always been faithful, even when we weren't. He remembered the covenant. We may not have. When you say yes to Jesus, he'll never let you go, never forsake you. He'll always remember, and he chases those he loves. He will track you down. He will do what is required to bring you back. He will get you in line. He will correct you. He will take care of business. And the funny thing is this word. Remember on that the long drive to the right city, that long stretch of highway? You know what rumble strips are? That's the word of God. You bring it back in alignment? Let me tell you something. I've been on both sides of the rumble strips. There's no joke out on the other side. It is no joke. He's reminding us, remember what you were. Now watch what they did. But you thought your fame and beauty were your own. This is what happened to the church at Laodicea. They thought we did this. So you gave yourself as a prostitute to every man who came along. Your beauty was theirs for the asking. You used the lovely things I gave you to make shrines for idols where you played the prostitute. Unbelievable! How could such a thing ever happen? You took the very jewels and gold and silver ornaments I had given you and made statues of men and worshipped them. This is adultery against me. You used the beautifully embroidered clothes I gave you to dress your idols. Then you used my special oil and incense to worship them. Imagine it. You set before them as a sacrifice the choice flour, olive oil, and honey I had given you, says the Sovereign Lord. Then you took your sons and daughters, the children you had borne to me, and sacrificed them to your gods. True story. They did that. They sacrificed their, their children to the god named Molech, who was no god, of course. That's what they did. God's people. Must you also slaughter my children by sacrificing the idols and all your years of adultery and detestable sin? You have not once remembered the days long ago when you lay naked in the field, kicking about in your own blood. How about that? People in this church, me included, we are prone to forget that's what we do. It's part of the sin nature, the fallen nature, right? But it's okay because there's always a way back. Now watch, and you can go on. There's a lot of, a lot of gnarly stuff that happens. But I'm going to end... 
I'm going to jump to the end here and watch this. Now, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will give you what you deserve. For you've taken your solemn vows lightly by breaking your covenant. Watch. Yet I will remember the covenant I made with you when you were young, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Then you will remember the shame, all the evil you have done. I will make your sisters Samaria and Sodom to be your daughters, even though they are not part of our covenant. And I will reaffirm my covenant with you. And you will know that I am the Lord. You will remember your sins and cover your mouth in silent shame. When I forgive you of all that you've done, I, the sovereign Lord, will save you. Is that awesome? Is that great news? But don't, doesn't it make you just want to compel you to hit the Lord and strive when he comes back? So he won't be ashamed of his coming? Like, man, I wanna, I'm getting fired up. Land a plane, guys. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat on the throne, sat with my father on his throne. You know, in the Jewish culture, if you shared a meal with somebody, it was an intimate deal. It wasn't like, hey, come over, let's have a burger. It was a big deal. I mean, when, you, when you're asked to sup with somebody, sup. When sup, it's a big deal. It's like I want to have a relationship with you. I, I want to know you on an intimate level. I don't want just a cursory a relationship with you. I want to know you. That's what Jesus is asking us. Do you want to know me? I want to have, if, then you have to open up and let me in, and I'll come in, and I'll sup with you. Maybe we should have a shirt that says sup. Revelation 3.20. <laughs> and I know that everybody in here, I think I pretty much know everybody in here. And I suspect that everybody has, at one time or another, opened up the door and let Jesus in and allowed him to come in and sup with you and and join in the covenant with Jesus and make the Bible's promises yours. I know that. But I also speculate that maybe there's some in here that are borderline lukewarm. In a church like this, you could probably say that would be accurate. But here's the good news. You're not alone. Everybody goes through it. Billy Graham went through it. Paul went through it. John probably went through it. There's a way back. And Jesus said, just return to me, and then I'll return to you. But how do you know if you're lukewarm? Give me some examples. We talked about a couple today. Come on. Ooh, you don't want to read the Word. You're not praying. Don't find joy in the godly things. You don't want to hang out with the other believers. I would say there's boundaries. Firmly established boundaries. Leave me alone on Sundays. Because you know what? Let me say this. In the past, I've made a mistake. 
Well, Len, I tell you what, I'm a big shot. We've got to fly around the world and tell people about Jesus. You sit there, little missy, I'll be back when I get back. I'm being funny, but that's kind of was my attitude. That's bad. That's when things happen and Jesus comes in and goes, okay, don't worry, Len, I'll take care of business. You just sit tight. And then I'm like, oh, yes, nobody will come between me and Len anymore except for you, Jesus, and our family, including ministry. You see, it's Jesus, wife, family, and everything else here. That's the order. He's God of order. That's the way that it is. When it gets out of business and out of whack, you are in trouble. And the funny thing is, that could be a symptom of lukewarmness because you're not acting according to God's word. That's the way that he has it to be, and there's a reason he has it to be that way, right? Now, in regards to your thing about the word, you know how many people that I meet, and I say, are you in the word? Well, not quite as much as I would be. You see, I'm a busy man. Oh, okay, I see. You're a busy man. Um, okay, 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 okay. I, I understand you're busy. It doesn't work with me. It doesn't work with Jesus. It doesn't work for people like that. You hear the story about the little boy that got saved? True story. Little guy gets saved, probably 12, 13 years old. The pastor takes him under a tree and gives him his Bible for the first time. And this little kid, he's explaining to him what you've just done. You you've have set on the adventure of a lifetime, man. You're going to... Things are going to happen. He's explaining all this. And all the kid could do was this. This kid had nothing. He really was blind and naked until he met Jesus. He had nothing. You know, we say we don't have clothes. No, you just don't want to wear the clothes that you have. I've been places they don't have clothes. I've been places they don't have food. They don't, literally. They don't have it. We have it. We don't want to wear what we have. Anyway. Pastor goes, why are you smiling so much? He goes, well, I can change the world. I can change the world. That's the power that we have residing. The same power to raise Jesus from the dead resides in you. He really could change the world. I believe the world got changed today, Richard. I believe that. I believe in that sphere, heaven, there's, we won't know because God's the one keeping track. We won't know. But we have faith that God's the one keeping track. He's the scorekeeper. He's the ultimate accountant. He knows, just like we've read for seven weeks. He knows. He, he knows when you've been bad or good. <laughs> That's ridiculous, but he really does, right? <laughs> if we were half afraid of Jesus and we were Santa Claus, we'd be getting somewhere. Right? Reverent fear is what I'm talking about. I'm going to leave you with this. There's a story in the Bible. Nah, not really. There's a story my friend told me, and this is true. He said, do you hear about this, uh, this kid? And if, 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 if you've heard this already, I apologize, but it's a great story concerning the Word of God. So when I hear people say, oh, I, I just, uh, I just, I don't get it. Don't you understand what you're saying? Well, I, what do I do? I, I, you know, I read that little devotional. Pops up on my iPhone, Android, whatever. Um, that's not the same. So this kid comes to his dad, and he said, Dad, I know that you know God, and I want to know him like you know God. He said, okay, here's what you need to do. Um, take this little bucket over here, go down to the creek, and I want you to fill it up with water. You guys heard this story? If you have, raise your hand. Diane's heard all my stuff. Christina's heard all my stuff. Barry's heard all my stuff. Lynn's heard all my stuff. Anybody want to hear the story? Okay, great, I'll continue. Anyway, he goes down there, grabs his bucket, runs down the creek, nice clear creek, you see, and this bucket had all kinds of mud in it. 
But it also had holes in it. He runs a bucket of water back to Dad, and all the water leaked out before he got there. He goes, here you go, Dad. And he goes, we'll go down there and get some more. And he goes, Dad, it's got, it's got, it's got, I didn't ask you. You asked me how to know God better, and I told you what to do. You go do it. Okay. He goes down there, and he goes a little quicker. He comes back up. There's no water in the thing. And he goes, Daddy, I don't get it. And the bucket was muddy, of course. Filthy, actually. Six or eight trips, and he said, I didn't tell you. I told you to obey me. You asked me how to know me better. I'm telling you to get that bucket and bring it up here. Finally, he gets up here and gets up here, and he said, Daddy, I just don't get what this has to do with knowing God better. He said, you know, when you read the Bible, it's like the Word of God. When you read the, it, it's the Word of God, it's like it's cleansing you. Because look at your bucket. The bucket was spotless. No dirt, no funk, no gnarliness. It had been cleaned. It had been washed by the Word, right? Metaphor. So when we're reading the Word of God, it's cleansing your heart, and you really don't even know what's going on. You don't have to understand everything the Bible's telling you. You should always be asking Jesus for more revelation, more wisdom, and to understand it, but sometimes you're reading it, you just do it out of obedience. You do it because you know that God's doing something amazing. It's renewing your mind and transforming you. And then you know, I have to give you a challenge. Be honest with you. And don't be embarrassed by your neighbors. If you haven't picked up the Bible in the last two or three days, raise your hand if that's you. Two or three days you haven't picked it up? Okay, well, I think you're fine. You've had other things on <laughs> other things. We're not going to do that. But I, I'm encouraging, if that's you, pick it up, man. Carve out that time in the morning. Turn off the iPhone, Android, flip phone, whatever it is. Put it away. Carve out that time in the morning. I believe in the morning is the best time to read the Word of God. It sets the tempo for your day. Before the world can smack you around and punch you in the face a few times, just set up that time in the morning just to spend a little time with God and tell Him you love Him. I'm grateful. Thank you, because I was that person that was naked and, and all. I was beat up, and you came by and rescued me. You came by and saved me. I'm going to spend a little time. I want to know a God like that on a better level. What's wrong with that? And just carve that time out. And you come back to me in 30 days or 60, ask Barry, anybody in here, and say, you know what? It was really a waste of time. It didn't do anything. I would, I'm not going to say to eat my hat in case somebody actually thinks it. I would be stunned if your life wasn't more vibrant, wasn't more full, you had more joy, love, peace, kind of self-control, all that stuff. I'd be shocked if you didn't have more fruit in your life. I'd be shocked if you didn't feel compelled when you see somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Like, you didn't know Jesus. You felt the need to tell this person about Jesus. It does something. It's, yeah, keep it up. It is. So that ends this series on Revelation, seven churches. I think I'm going to, anyone with ears? No, it does not quite. Let me, let me land it in. Is this chorus still in the slide? You know that we're going to judge the angels, guys? We're going to be there when it happens. Isn't that amazing? Remember Barry, Barry last week, I thought it was funny when he goes, you know, I hate I told you so. That actually, my mom's when it happens to land. I love it. I love it. I told you so. I love it. It just doesn't happen all that much. But I do love it when it does happen. The I told you so that I don't want is to watch somebody that you know or love or encounter that doesn't know Jesus and they end up going to hell because they don't know. Oh, man, I, and that's going to be the worst I told you so ever. 
But when we see the devil, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be an amazing thing when, when we see him judged and thrown away. And then we say, there he goes, the one that brought down, there started the wars, the diseases, all that was all you. You did this, and we see him judged. That's going to be a great day. And we're going to sit on the throne with Jesus. Come on, man. Anybody in here, I know most of you are pretty deep. You have no right to sit up with Jesus on the throne, and neither do I. But guess what? That's what it says we're going to do, thanks to him. But we got to be victorious. We can't just quit and cruise in on cruise control. we got to put it in a driver. For Pete's sake, at least drop it first. Right? As long as we're moving forward, you just don't want to end up neutral or reversed. Scratch, claw, walk at a high, slow rate of speed. Let me say this last metaphor. I hate spandex. I think you should be outlawed by all males wearing spandex. And quite frankly, as a man that struggles from time to time, thank you, uh, I think it should be outlawed for all women to wear. Wear some modest stuff, for Pete's sake. Oh, these are so cute. No, they're not. They're not cute. It shows everything, and we don't need it. But for sake of the argument, you have different types of runners. You have the guy that had, oh, you know, he has this, Flaming spandex on, he, 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 and he just has the perfect gait. He, oh, he's just amazing. He's just walking, he's just running along. He's an amazing runner, right? And then you have guys like me that I'm running nevertheless. Kind of. And here's the thing. I've developed a gait that works for me. I can do it endlessly. It's a gait that works for me. You need to find your gait. Whatever that is, and, and run with the Lord. Just walk with him. Just walk. Some people limp. I've always said we had a funny walk in this church, but we're walking nevertheless, right? Some people just look really good. They're good runners. But I think find your pace and stay the course and just keep walking. And when you fall down, crawl, claw, get up, and I think we should get back to this. We did it a few years ago. How's your walk? We should ask each other, how's your walk? How's your walk? And then the other person has to be honest and say, not so good, really. Kind of struggling. And I think we're honest with each other, and then we help each other. Oh, it's just great. I'm just cruising. I have my spandex. Look at me go. Why not be honest? I'm struggling over here. I'm reading the word. It's not coming off the, you know. I, I think God does amazing things when we're dishonest. In him, there's no guile. You know who guile was? Baloney. You're not saying what's really going on in your heart. Jesus committed to Nathaniel because here comes the true Israel. But in him, there's no guile. Because he said what was on his mind. I, I imagine he'd be the kind of guy that if you ask him, how you doing? I'm not doing so good. I'm just struggling with porn or struggling with alcohol or See what I'm saying? Let's be honest. Let's make this year a closer walk with thee. Starts with being honest. It starts with recognizing if you're lukewarm. If you're lukewarm, then asking God, give me some of that gold, you know? Give me some of that. Give me some of that side to open my eyes up to my condition. I need to get some clearer vision 2020 of what's going on with this guy and take my eyes off somebody else and put them back on me. Remember a few years a few weeks ago I said something about a mirror? The Bible should be a mirror. It's not to be a reflection. Let's go see, see what Jamie's got going on. Ah, here it is right here. 2 Peter 1.7, sure. 
No, it'd be you. Flip it around and look at you. That's like perfect, isn't it? So I'm going to close. I think that's it. He ends every, every church. Anyone with, with ears to hear must listen to what spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. And he ends every, every church address to the church every, exactly the same way. I hope you guys, this last seven weeks or eight weeks, Earl came in, and I think we had a couple other things going on. But I hope through it all, this spoke to you. I know it spoke to me as we, I listened to Barry and as we dug and, and recognizing that I could see a little bit of Ephesus in me, Smyrna, for, you know, I could see some Philadelphia working on a little bit better. But I can see actually Laodicea in me at times too, in this church. But we're going to be better. We're going to do better. We're going to encourage you as the day draws near. We're going to encourage each other to get up and go, right? Is that fair? And you're going to say, what are we doing next? Well, we're going to freelance for a couple of weeks. Uh, Barry's got a topic he's going to use. And then next week I'm going to do a topic. And then we're going to get into the parables of Jesus uh, for a while. We're going to spend some time there. Um, But I continue to pray for you guys that you would be outreach-minded, that you continue to invite people to come to church. But more importantly, invite people to come to Jesus. Father God, I pray for tonight. I thank you, Lord, that... uh, if we have slumbered, Lord, I pray that you would wake us up, Lord. I pray that we would come to you for the true gold, that we would come to you, that we would see our condition, Lord, that we'd be accurate assessors of, of where we are with you, Lord, that you would help us pick up our gate or, or find a gate that works for us or, or whatever works, Lord. We want to be, this year, a closer walk with you. We want to know you on a deeper level, Lord. I pray for those tonight that aren't here because of sickness or whatever reason, Lord. I pray for those that are struggling. Maybe they're lukewarm. I pray that you would be the one to reveal to them and point to where it hurts and point to what has to go for you to come and have rightful uh, position in their life, the life's in their hearts. Lord, I thank you for what's happening in Uganda. I pray for Nufuna Johnson. I pray for East Moses, Babu Barreo, and Kranthi Kumar. Lord, I pray for those guys. And I do pray for Kent Bostrom as he's visiting Sweden right now. I pray that people will be coming to get to, to know you, coming to you, Jesus, for that gold that we talked about here in Laodicea, Lord, that we'd come to you, uh, that they would uh, hear you knocking on their hearts, Lord, that they would open it up. And we get reports back here all the way, some 6,000 miles away, that somebody came to Jesus. Lord, that's really all that matters. At the end of the days when everything is gone, the houses are gone, the cars are gone, the boats, the recreation, the sports team, it's all going to only be Did we have faith in Jesus? So we thank you for this time together, Lord. As we leave here, we pray that you continue to guide our steps and direct our paths. And we do pray, Lord, we listen to that voice saying, left, right, left, right, guide our ways in Jesus' name, amen.